Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. We're proud members of the Ruinous Media Network now. Yay. We're kind of psyched about that. Hopefully 2024 will be kind of cool for Chris and I and our podcast. And we're really looking forward to it. So we were on the phone and we were talking about things and we came up with kind of a cool concept. We think it's cool anyway, where I pick three songs and three guitar uh, players and Chris picks three guitarists and songs and we swap them and we kind of talk about them. And we're going to call it three for three. Because it's kind of battle snappy. to the death, battle to the death, <laughs> and I'm going to start with the songs Chris gave me. Uh, no, we're going to no, we're going to start with the ones that you picked. Oh, we're going to oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we're going to start with the ones I picked. I yes. love it. And so, what were those songs, Chris? Oh, I'm right I, here. Okay. Well, why don't you name them? All right. You want to start with the top of your list down to the bottom of your list? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The first song that you picked was by heart and the song was magazine from 1977 from the record of the same name heart nice. magazine 1977 you can find it on spotify if you want to follow along <laughs> nice so why don't you start because i i kind of you know when i sent you those songs i kind of gave you some notes but I, I, you know i just to be perfectly honest since this is the first time we did this and i'm still trying to figure out you know what will happen with this i'm kind of excited to see what happens i didn't read your notes oh okay i, did, cool. I just read Good. the songs well, and i, um, I told you not to read my notes too because yeah. i just want to see what your thoughts are just without awesome. hearing my thoughts so my thoughts on that one first off I, i'm familiar with that record in that my sister was a huge heart fan and had those records on all the time and i remember when this one came out i mean it had that you know it had that can't live song on there yeah. with, um and so I heard it a lot and I heard this song a lot and listening to it after all these years, because I don't think I've heard it since then. So it's been a long time, that particular song. Wow. So I love the, the way that it sounds. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a, kind of a lush mix. The acoustic instruments sound really, really cool, but it's also extremely of its time. And that's another thing that I thought was really cool about it. I mean, we're talking right around the time that the Dreamweaver record came out. Yeah. So the like they have those synthesizers on there that are very much you can, <laughs> when people were at that point and fucking around with synthesizers, they all kind of had that same sound that you can hear like some stuff that was on the Sticks record from that oh, same yeah. year. So it had that going on. But it was a it's an extremely interesting choice of like chords. There's a lot of them in there at times, and this is what I thought was really cool about it. It had like the sixties like folk singer you know, kind of vibe to it, almost yeah. like a Joni Mitchell song or something like that. And that was super cool. And then it kind of flows over into, you know, like the kind of like funky rock of the 70s era. There was a lot of pot smoked, I'm sure, at this <laughs> session. You can kind of hear that in the arrangement. Yeah. And I think you flagged that what you really wanted me to pay attention to was the solo. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting because that does, that's, there's over five minutes before that solo comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, it's like pure 70s excess. Yeah. And the solo, I've, I love this. I love the solo, but maybe not for the reason that you might think I did. <laughs> I, it cracked me up because I thought it was extremely like Nigel Tufnell esque. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was listening to that, I pictured you playing that just to like crack me up because <laughs> it starts off as like these little bits. It's kind of like a really laid back, cool 70s guitar tone, but he does these little flurries and like these repeats. And it just, to me, it just sounded like Nigel Tufnell and like, you know, my. <laughs> My solos are my fingerprints. It was like almost, <laughs> and I, there's other guitars like this that I really love. They play guitar like they're making fun of guitar players. Yeah. And I like that. And I know that was probably not intentional, right, right. but it was, that was my vibe. So I actually uh, cracked up when I, when I heard it. <laughs> 
And I'm not dissing. I, I think it yeah, was cool, but I it was like you. it was interesting that I I got that. I, I'm going to turn it over to you in a minute because I want to hear cool. what you think about yeah. that. But I'd, I'd be interested to see if you caught that vibe. But overall, it was really good sounding, and it kind of made me miss records that were made like that. You know, yeah. kind of excessive dance and like not just your average three chord, four chord folk rock songs or whatever. Totally. Yeah. Well, I, I feel the same way. I mean, that it's one of my favorite heart albums and it is the production is pretty insane. Uh, so the guitar stuff, I didn't. Yeah. It's funny that you said that now that you say that, of course, it, it, it makes me, you know, it sparks me in that direction. But when I was listening to it, no, I just dug it for so many guitarists in rock were I think fancied themselves or tried to push themselves maybe to be more than just rock. And I think Fisher was like that too. Like, and it, to me, it just evoked him trying to be quasi jazz or, or funky. You know what I mean? Like, like you're saying, cause it was like, you know, he, he'd do mellow stuff and then little flurries. And it was kind of like this, um, spacey I, now that you say it too, a lot of pot was probably smoked and he was probably way stoned when he, oh, I could hear that. <laughs> but I just dug it cause I, it, it's melodic and, I love the guitar tone that they got in that band. Like, and I, I'm not sure if they recorded with music man or stuff like that, but I remember seeing a lot of old footage of them and they were playing through music man amps and stuff like that. But he was, you know, he played Les Pauls and strats. And I think she did the same. She, she played strats and juniors and stuff like that. But the guitar tone to me is just so cool and a little saturated and mid rangey and really just cool. Everything I love about that kind of era of guitar tone but again, and also the thing I was flagging was the little flurries in the song, which he kind of did throughout a lot of heart songs, like putting in these little things just in the song all throughout the song that I think is kind of cool. It was melodic. It's kind of like helping push the song along in, in weird little ways. And, and I really dug that about the song, too. Uh, that was something I picked up on. I was going to say too. Yeah, it was almost like you know, almost like country in a way. Yeah. You know, like it kind of yep. accents those things, and those are really cool. No, I agree. That was that was one of the things that I picked up as well. That's cool. But yeah, now that you say it, yeah, I could picture him playing the 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 fiddle with his feet while he's playing the guitar solo, like Nigel. Yeah, Bumble because it's did. not really. It's not. I mean, I, you mentioned the jazz part, and I can see maybe like in kind of like where it sits inside, but it's like, it's more like a finger exercise. Like at least yeah. one of the licks yeah, yeah. is like, you know, it's like something you do when you're warming up, but it's like, and keep in mind, one thing that's interesting to note that this is like still like a year or two, at least a year before Van Halen. And that's when yeah. like guitar solos in, in rock bands changed forever because everybody thought they had to have like a really hot, fast thing. And this isn't really like that, you know, it's not like Super fast. It doesn't sound like he's trying to be really technical. It's just like a speed thing. And you're right, because there were people, I guess, that, you know, in jazz at a time, like Al DiMiola, who like speed was a big thing for. Yeah. So they were really kind of like, and I think, yeah, I think that got, he got kind of over the top too after Van Halen. So like, you know, no one's faster than me, you know, that kind of like <laughs> guitar slinger showdown thing. But yeah. this is kind of before that. So and surprised because I never noticed that before. And that's one thing that's cool about going back and, and, and listening to songs like this is that, you know, after you've had some experience playing guitar, you can pick out things, things that when you're a kid that might have sound difficult or super easy, you find out now it's not now that you have this, all this experience to bring into, you know, your listening. So I found this whole experiment kind of fascinating for that reason, too. Yeah, me too. I listen to magazine. I, I've been listening to that album more lately just because I've been going through their catalog because I really dug them, too, back in the day. But that's cool. I, lo I love your observations on that song. So what's the next song that I chose? The next song you chose, hang on, I gotta fix my damn mic. Fix your mic, oh. dude. 
The next one was Kid by The Pretenders. Ah, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm psyched to hear you talk about this song. So am I, am I supposed to talk about it now? Let me fix yeah, my mic. Yeah, you are, dude. Okay, I'll talk about it now. Yeah, you know, my experience with Pretenders is I only grew up and know the, the radio stuff. You know, like going back to Ohio or whatever it was called and like Brass and Pocket and Chain Gang and things like that. So this may actually even be the first time I ever heard that song. And I wasn't like... It wasn't that I didn't like the Pretenders or didn't think they were very good. It was I liked them when I heard them. It's just like something, you know, sometimes sometimes you just don't explore certain things. And that was one of the things that was left off my kind of radar. And like when I was collecting records, I, I liked the song. It's, it seemed a little it was a little murky, but it was certainly interesting. The guitar tones were killer. I mean, they were super, super interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's kind of pointless sometimes to try to analyze like, oh, you know, this is the guitar I'm sure he was playing because it's like. Who really cares but it's, right. it did that happens the, the way he played that and you know not just the solo but it, just the way his approach to the, the guitar that whole thing made me think of a gretch and i don't even know if he played gretch and yeah. part of it was because he had kind of that rockabilly like you know that that kind of thing going on yeah and that was a really interesting the chords in that were super interesting i didn't learn any of the solos or anything but i would kind of like grab a guitar and kind of just see what they're doing you know where mm-hmm. they're do, doing things and that was interesting, the choice of chords that they had going on. There was a lot there. And one of the things that's interesting about your selections, I don't think you probably realize this or not. Are you familiar with those, how many 70s rock songs had that, like, it's like A to G to F or F to G to A for songs that are like in the key of A? Like, oh, I'm sure it's Stairway yeah. to Heaven, you know, yeah. Don't yeah. Fear the Reaper, right. Ride the Storm Out. <laughs> right, I mean, I used to right. joke around and get to grab a guitar and just do like a medley of all the songs that use those chords. <laughs> Two of the songs that you picked had the, that chords in yeah. it. It's like yeah. the 176 progression or something like that. It's uh-huh. it's it's in everywhere, but it's, I just thought it was funny that you had two songs that had that in there. Yeah. But in the solo, going to the solo now, I really, I really dug it. I like how he used that open E string to kind of yeah. like you know, kind of almost banjo-like do things around. It's really, really interesting choice of notes on, you know, some of it sounds like almost two guitar players. I mean, he's he's kind of yeah. got you into this mode where you're like, oh, it's going to be this like jangly, you know, let's keep that drone string ringing. And then he goes into something that's kind of just unique and like, you're like, wow, that's kind of like a left turn. And I like that about it. And I really, really like the guitar tone he had on. I mean, he's like, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, bridge pickup there's a little bit of roundness to it and a little bit like like i said i almost sound like a gretch but i don't know if that dude played a gretch yeah i don't know what what that guy played for guitars but it was cool and i know people love that guitar player and it's kind of shameful that i don't know that much about him but um i do like that that's cool throw my cat off (laughs) well i'll chime in they were on my radar from the first album i remember hearing mystery achievement on the radio and thinking that's so cool and i went out and bought the album the first album and then I, that song in particular stuck out just because I just think it's such a cool tune. And yeah, that guitar solo is one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. And he played a ton of different guitars. Like, I, you know, you see him on the videos, he was playing a Firebird or a, he had a Dan Armstrong, he, you know, Strats, Les Pauls, you name it, Zemitis. Um, but yeah, cool. I'm glad you dug the solo too, because for the same reasons I like it, you cited. It kind of sounds outside the box a little bit and then kind of rockabilly. But I love the way, yeah, he did the pull-offs on the on the top two strings. And it's, you know, I've learned that solo 
when I first heard that song and I just thought it was such a cool solo. And then I think that the way it ends too is su super cool. Cause it's very rockabilly, right? He does that bend on the E string and then boom, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I just love all the suspended chords throughout that song that make it sound so cool and jangly. And it, it does have a country flavor, you know, it's, it's got that twangy boom, 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 that yeah, yeah. signature yeah. part of the song. I love that. I love stuff like yeah. that. And so cool. But yeah, I think you should visit that, that first, the first two albums, or I think it's the first album in the, the EP or something, but he's one and of maybe, my favorite guitar players, man. Yeah. And we should mention this, I guess, before we start talking about it, the guitar player, in case anybody doesn't know, that's yeah. James Honeymoon Scott. Yeah. And the, and Roger Fisher was the heart guitar yep. player that played yep. that, that yep. we're talking about, right? That's awesome, man. Yeah, I I'm glad you I'm glad you dug it. What was the third song that I chose? The third song was that um, that crazy G Weller. Oh, dude, dude I'm that, curious to hear what you think about that stuff, man. I, I fucking loved it. I mean, I, I just you? yeah, and I, I you know I started to watch, to listen to the podcast where this person like I'll go I'll get in a minute, but let's talk about okay, the, cool. the music. First. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is one of the things I noticed right off the bat, and this sounds really annoying, like one of those people, like, you know, I'm Mr. Analog, you know, the soul of analog. It's not that at all, but it's just something ingrained in me that I can't help. I love the fucking noise on that. Like yes. the between us, I listen to all the songs on that record. Awesome. And it's dude. just a thing. It just, I don't know why it speaks to me so much. It probably reminds me of like sitting in my bedroom making like four track recordings. It's just that, yes. that it's not really so much hiss. It's just this weird air noise that you yeah. get. And that really, to me, added to the experience. And the guitar is just, it's, it's really, it's re really kind of incredible, like what's going on. I can't even like analyze like what he's doing too much. Yeah. yeah. On the particular song that you gave me, uh -huh. I could swear and I could be wrong because of the way that he plays. It sounds like a loop. It sounds like he starts with a loop, you know, and then he stops the loop and then he starts playing the guitar. But it's so similar yeah. that, um, you know, he just uses fingers and, and the, the, the lo-fi-ness of the song is you can't tell what guitar he's playing. I mean, it kind of sounds like a classical. But I think crazy? that's just because it's so murky. Yeah. It could be, you know, it could be a Martin or something. You know, it could be a really, you know, fancy guitar. It's just like the lo-fi-ness of it. It totally added to the the character of that to, of that music. And it yeah. kind of reminded me, I mean, my first experience with like kind of falling in love with like that you know, tape noise or just you know, like shitty tape noise yeah. was when I was staying with a friend back in the mid nineties and she had a massive record collection. I'm like, good, I'll use this time to like tape a bunch of records. So I had a whole bunch of cassette tapes and I'm like, I wonder what this is. And I put this record out and I just fell in love with it. And I wasn't familiar with the band either. It was um, guided by voices there. And the record was vampire on Titus. And that the same thing those like and each song would have a little bit of different of like tape noise uh -huh. and i just kind of fell in love with that and, and i really don't know why i mean i, I don't why does that speak to me because i used to hate when i was doing four track taping sometimes and i'd get like dropouts i'd be like working really hard to get a really good solid take and there'd be a dropout i'm like shit. yeah so but there is something and to go back a little bit further i remember like maybe it was like last year or the year before you gave me some some music that you recorded back in the 80s with your band uh -huh. and that was like the first thing i noticed it was like it's so good to hear like what is obviously music on tape because it yeah. just sounds different and it's like yeah. i'm not trying to be snooty about it i like any good sounding music i mean I'm, there's there's modern digital stuff that sounds really really good yeah so i mean it's, it's not that so much but it is just something that speaks to me about that kind of noise and just like the fucked upness of that medium that you know this becomes part of the music yeah and that i'll stop there with all that bullshit but um 
No, it was really cool. I think it, it was cool. I don't have enough instrumental music in my life sometimes, I feel like. So that yeah. was, it was cool to kind of listen to that. And now really quickly, I want you to lay out for me here in a minute what the story was with this guy, because I cool. started listening to the podcast yeah. and I, I had something else going on, so I couldn't, but I kind of took it as the podcast from Fretboard Journal, is, which is where I was reading about the G-Weather guy, yeah. is dated like April 1st. So, and, and I, I've listened to the part where he's like, it's, it's his answering machine. He's telling people like, stop calling me about how brilliant my music is. I live <laughs> yeah. in my mom's basement. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of took it as like a hoax, like bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would really like to, I'd really like to know more about that. And I yeah. do want to listen to that podcast, but it was just interesting. I saw the date and I'm like, is this like a hoax? It seems like too weird to be true, but I don't know. It'd be cool if it is. Yeah. But well, that's my thoughts. Yeah. Shout out to Fretboard Journal because that's where I discovered G Welder and I was listening to that podcast. And to make a long story short, the, the short version is G Weller was a studio guy in the 70s in LA. Okay. A studio guitarist. And he, you know, like so many musicians wanted to do some, some of his own stuff and he tried and it failed. And, and as you mentioned, you know, fast forward to like not too long ago, this label guy, I don't know if they were affiliated back then or not, but anyway, this label guy got a hold of G Welder's stuff and released it recently, fairly recently, last couple of years. And one of the guys at Fretboard Journal kind of caught wind of it and, and was fascinated by the story and tried to go, you know, do detective work about what was going on. And so he contacted the label guy first and he was this same cranky, you know, suspicious, paranoid dude like G Weller and you know it took him forever to kind of go hey man I I love G Weller I love his music is he still around you know can I get a hold of him I want to talk to him and he's similar way it's like um I don't know he doesn't want to talk to anybody and but eventually the guy got G Weller's number contacted him and he was the same way it's like what do you want to talk to me for leave me alone I'm you know yeah <laughs> um but anyway he ended up interviewing him and for a little bit and and any so I, I think it's legit i think he's a legit guy that was a studio guy in the 70s and he learned guitar from his dad this weird style this finger style that he played on the the stuff i sent you and um so for me that was my discovery of g weller and for me it was a revelation and i'm glad you mentioned the noise that's what i dig about it too other recordings too like that to me i just love it because it becomes another instrument or another character in the story it's like the room you know what i i like to hear yeah. the room in yeah when i hear recordings i don't want it to be this sterile weird thing and that's another thing i love about the g weller stuff is not only the the room noise but if you listen to it with headphones you can hear him humming to himself as he's playing the freaking tune and it's so fucking oh, cool. cool it's yeah. insane dude i was going no way a and for me it's so cool because it's just like you're in the room with this cat and it's eerie and haunting and cool at the same time and like yeah i couldn't understand i couldn't identify what kind of it sounds to me like he's playing a small box acoustic maybe mahogany or something because it is dark sounding but but just the way he finger style plays this stuff it's so crazy and it's it's almost like a wind chime or something yes you know? yeah like, yes that's a great time it's really mechanical but it's like melodically mechanical yes. so it's cool and listen to that go back because i'd like to get your second opinion is that a loop in the beginning of that for the song that you recommended, which I don't have it, the, the title yeah. in front of it. We'll have I, to put that in there. Yeah. What, we'll what is the title of that? Uh, oh, let shit. Me, well, no, we got it. Uh, let me check it out real quick. 
the title of that song is um it's the, the name of the record is pirate songs of the yeah. lower islands and that one life on a wave yeah life on a wave yeah and that's why i love that song is because he evokes waves kind of with the the way he's pirates. strumming and pirates <laughs> but i thought it was that that's that, that i'm glad you said the title because that's what i loved about the song too is is the the music and the way he's doing this evokes waves and evokes water and it i thought it was so cool yeah what, what else were you gonna say i'm sorry i thought you were, you were gonna say some other something else about was that. i gonna say oh the loop oh you talked about the loop i oh, will yeah, listen yeah. to it again i don't know if it's a loop man um when was this record when was this i think it was from? recorded in the 70s okay so that so was recorded a long time unless ago, it's a yeah. tape loop yeah they could have done sounds, a tape loop yeah it sounds very loopy i mean and there's a pause it's like it's like yeah. that sounds like a loop you yeah. know i'm like and that's my first thought that's the first yeah. thing i heard by this dude and i'm like oh a, a tape loop yeah and then all of a sudden there's a slight pause and he starts playing you know and but it's the same tone so yeah. i don't know if it's a tape loop or not yeah no, that's, you know, you mentioned the room thing really quick, uh -huh. a, a story. Yeah. I was working in a wood shop for a while one time and we had a turntable in there, which was great. And everybody brought in their records to play. And someone brought in, a, it was like a Cat Power record. I don't remember what the record oh, was. And they're playing and I'm like, this sounds like this portion of this song sounds like big star and i go over and look and it it's the same studio and i could oh, kind of hear cool. that studio it was i think it was piano or something i'm like this sounds like that and i don't know if it was just coincidence or what but it did I, it made me think that this is that same studio so i think there's something to that i think rooms definitely i mean i know there's something to that but i don't know oh, yeah. to that certain extent but I did a lot of Ford tracking in the, in the 90s on eight, at 8th and Spring in Seattle. And they always had the freeway in my songs. I it's love like, that. Because the freeway went really close to my apartment. So you could always hear I-5. But yeah, go back to what you were saying. Sorry. No, no, I love that. Yeah. And I I think he, he the way he plays, it just evokes like a loop or kind of this hypnotic sensibility, which... Uh, it's just enchanting. Uh, everybody that's listening to this needs to check out G. Weller because it's really some of the coolest guitar music I've heard. And I was just, yeah, listen to it all, Chris, again, and, and listen to it with headphones and see if you can hear him humming in some of these songs to himself. Right. It's so crazy. But yeah, I just fell in love with it. And I, I listened to it like once I discovered it, I just listened to it kind of <laughs> every day for like a month or something it was crazy but i really dig it i'm so glad you liked it too man because it's weird it's it's it, it it feels like it just dropped out of the sky to me but that's kind of another thing i love about it is it's just so crazy and you know i've i've listened to a lot of acoustic guitar instrumental music and there's so much of it that's really great but this stuff to me just really caught me because it is haunting and and um hypnotic and kind of crazy some of that Brian Eno stuff it reminded me of too, like yeah. the flipping Brian Eno, which I have here. That's stuff that I, I like to listen to, but yeah. it's more like an acoustic. That, that definitely that that acoustic, like there's a woody vibe to yes. it, definitely yes. to all of it, which is cool. I yeah. So I liked everything. I mean, that's I, awesome, dude. I mean, like when I was picking songs, I have a, I could just like close my eyes and grab three records out of my collection <laughs> because I mean, even bands that I don't really like, there's things about you know, the guitar or something that's going on that I love. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, I probably am influenced by and I, that I steal from all the time. So that's what's cool about doing shit like this, I think. I love it. Well, that's a good segue. I'm psyched because I'm psyched to talk about yours. So I'm going to dig into yours. All right. You, you have ready? There? I've got them on hand. So the first one you chose was the album is Radio City. 
uh, by Big Star. Oh, speaking of Big Star, wow. Yeah, and Alex Chilton playing guitar. And the song is September Girls, which mm-hmm. I love. First of all, I love Big Star. Second of all, I've always dug their guitar sounds. To me, they're... The thing I'm drawn to about any sound is I don't want, I don't like sterile. And I've hammered that into our conversations as we talk. But I like sounds that seem a little untamed, uh, that seem dynamic and kind of living and breathing. And so the guitar sounds that they got on their recordings totally fit the bill for me. Like they're jangly, crazy. Like I'm, I'm sure if you isolate those guitars, and we talked about that before, they probably sound like shit. But in the context of the mix of these songs, it just sounds so cool. So even the the, the, the strumming guitars, I love. Um, I don't know what they are. It sounds single coil to me. I know I've seen pictures of them, like Chris Bell playing that cool 70s Strat, and Chilton played a bunch of different guitars. But So the song is so cool. I love the song. It's melodic. It's beautiful. The guitar parts are so cool. The solo is cool because, again, it fits with what I love, melodic kind of jangly and it's just kind of moves the song in that melodic way, you know, that I always love. And so, yeah, I, I, I totally dug, I dug this song and I dug the solo that you chose. What, what's, what, what things came to your mind when you chose this song to highlight? Well, the, That was a big one for me because I didn't even discover big star until like, it would have been like probably 86 or something. I actually happened to live with a person who was a rock writer and he introduced me to a lot of cool music that I didn't know about. And that was one of them. But, you know, that was after I'd gone through my Aerosmith ACDC and all this, <laughs> you know, and I was like trying to learn these, all these complicated rock and roll licks. And, you know, I found this band and particularly that song that was like the first one that just, you know, just grabbed me. And I'm like, what a brilliant solo. It's so simple and It's like Mike Campbell can do this, too. It's like you can take one of the most brilliant pop songs. I mean, it's just like this infectious, brilliant pop song and that gets stuck in your head. But at the same time, you walk away and you're humming the guitar. solo. you know what I mean? It's like it's that it doesn't overpower anything. It's not like I said it's so simple. I'm assuming this was um, Radio City. So Chris Bell was no longer around. So this is just I'm assuming it was Alice Chilton. And it's definitely a Strat. I can I can definitely hear it's a Strat. But it's just like simple. And I, a lot of times if I find myself trying to come up with a guitar part and I'm like taking apart the chords and trying to come up with something against the chords or over the chords and overthinking things, I'm like, just think back to the most simple thing. I mean, he's not quoting the melody of the song or anything. He's just yeah. like, you know, he's just it's just like this really simple, beautiful thing. And it's perfect, too, because it's right after the bridge and the bridge just is like this little like soul kind of breakdown bridge. And yeah. so they wind you up there and that's like the release is this like this beautiful melodic part. And it's just like, it, it just nails. And like I said, it gets stuck in my my mind for days after I hear that song. And another thing I love about that song, my favorite, you know, drummers are going to hate me for this, but my favorite <laughs> fucking drum fills of all time are after the solo in that one and yes. like cheap trick surrender. It's just a snare drum. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like into, you know, the back into the song. It's like just such a beautiful wind up. So I think all of the ones that I picked have something in in common and that they're all very simple. I mean, they're very, not super simple, but to the point of where there's no, technically they're not, they're not anything spectacular, but they just work so well with what they're doing. I'm glad you mentioned the drums because that's a part of big star overall that I love is that guy was so tasty. Like, and it's again on the drums, you don't need to do a bunch of crazy fills. You just need to do something that's 
really cool and and bring somebody from one part of the song to the next. And I love, yeah, I love the drumming in that song. Oh, another thing about that song is I actually sold a vintage Fender Bassman head when I was working at Emerald City Guitars <laughs> to to someone because of that song. Oh, that's so it's like cool. they're like. Um, I, there's this sound that I want to get on guitar, kind of like, you know, September Girls. I'm like, oh, that's to me, I don't know what it is, but I can probably get close to that song with a Fender Stratocaster through a, a basement amp, you know, and just crank it. That's you know, awesome. no no drive or anything like that. Yeah. Just crank it. And yeah, and then, you know, going back to the song, it's like, is that quarter? I mean, it's just like straight quarter note strumming. It's yeah. like very like mechanical. Straight ahead. Yeah. It's perfect. It's that, that is like, the classic, like throaty, like thick strat tone, you know, you can just yeah. hear that. You just know it was cranked when, you know, yeah. in the room that they were doing with, but yeah, no, I, uh, that song actually sold one Fender Bassman silver bass. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love it. That was a great choice, dude. So the next song is by the band Faces album is long player. And the song is maybe I'm amazed and uh, this is my favorite version of that song is the way they did it because it's just a rock band doing that song. You know, there's no, p well, there's a piano, but it's not like they don't do it like McCartney does it. And it's so cool. Like Ronnie Lane starts the verse and then Rod Stewart comes in. It's like journey. And totally told. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah feeling I'm, that way. Totally. <laughs> and that part of it, I, I love that song and the way they do this song and the guitar parts again. I love the way Ron Wood does the the little guitar part that McCartney would do falsetto, right? Go after the verses. And it's so cool. And it's so effective on guitar. It's so cool. And I, I remember seeing a video of them doing this, and he's playing through a champ, I think, Ron Wood. I don't know if they were he recorded it. But this is another live version. I don't know if it's that live version, but this is a live version. And his guitar sound, again, is so quintessentially of that time, but so cool. It's mid-rangey. It sounds great. If he's playing through a champ, like that's the best sound. And it's a silver face champ, too, by the way. It sounds amazing. It sounds just it sounds big and cool and like the quintessential guitar sound you want to hear. And I love it. And then so the solo he does is so cool because he starts out kind of doing a, a melodic kind of kind of emulating the melody of the song and then he ends it with more of a rock kind of pentatonic lead that i love and it's so rock and roll to me right it's like ronnie wood i could just see him like playing this solo but again it, it serves the song it fits the song and kind of the last part of this of the solo to me is is him kind of just you know it's rock and roll kind of, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on this, this tune. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I love the McCartney verse. I think, I mean, that song is an yeah. example of McCartney's like brilliance with yeah. melody and what he does with melody and parts and things like that. Yeah. So I love that. But I just thought that song was so well suited to the faces and the way they deliver things like yeah. the chromatic climbs. They're just like, they're just totally faces. I mean, everybody called them like really sloppy and they are in a way, but they're like in the pocket. So oh, it's like, yeah. I, you can't be, I mean, there's, there's slop. What was a Zeppelin thing? Tight, but loose or whatever. Yeah, exactly. They're, I mean, they're great for that, you know, like in the pocket, but kind of like it might fall apart at any moment. Yes. And I did. I love the, I mean, I've, I'm a huge Ronnie Lane fan. I love everything that yeah, guy ever did. And, um, and um, that kind of trade off of, you know, vocals, him starting it out and then, <clears throat> you know, Rod Stewart coming in was cool. But I just this and I guess now that I'm thinking about that, the next my next selection is going to be probably for the same reason is 
it just shows you how much you can do with so little. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like he's, you know, he's playing where we all play, you know, the the major pentatonic or, the, or just, you know, that little box that we all kind of play in. It's just like, just pull something outside of that every once in a while and put it in there and it just becomes this really lyrical playing and it's not hard to do at all, but it's so right for the song and it's just beautiful. And I've always loved the Faces guitar tone. And I, yeah. if somebody, or Riley's tone during that time, and I would always think like, that to me sounds like a junior. And so that, you know, it sounds totally like a junior. And it kind of does, but it shows how pointless, you know, doing that is because it was either a Zemitis, yeah, or, you know, maybe a Dan Armstrong or a Strat. That's what he played right. back then. Yeah. And it, it, no matter which one of those was playing, it sounded like him. Oh, it was yeah. that thick sound so that was a huge part of it but i just i just love that song i love the whole way they deliver that song and yeah. it's just like they're really very respectful you can tell that they love that song and that's why we're doing oh, it. Yeah. this is a great song we yeah. love it we're going to do it and they did it justice and it was like and they, they gave it that faces twist and you know i could have done the mccartney version too because i like that but there's just yeah. something about it that that like that shows what a good marriage of you know a band in another song can do for me yeah and I love that whole thing too, the loose, well, whatever, sloppy. Because the intro of the song just sounds like they're kind of like stumbling on stage and stumbling into the this song. And I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's like, because I can just see Ronnie Lane, you know, just like so relaxed and so laid back, just plunking on that big bass he played. And yeah, that's one of the things I love about the faces and other bands like the faces that are are in the pocket, but, you know. And yeah, let's... uh Let's move on to the others, the third song. Third and final. Third and, and final. I, I don't think I'd ever listen to this song, man, but this is such a cool tune. And I'm glad you chose it because, again, I, I love discovering new things. And I've, I've listened old to things. Yeah, and well, new old things, yeah. But the, the third one was Mott the Hoople, the band, uh, album Mott. And the song is Hymn for the Dudes. And A, this song is so cool. It's kind of, again, I think Mott the Hoople to me had this kind of, rock and roll majestic sensibility to them kind of grandiose anyway to me that's the way i think of Mott the hoople kind of this big kind of grandiose thing but this song especially kind of embodied that for me especially i love the way the song is going and then it just kind of it feels like it's coming to an end like the song is ending and and it all I, there might be a pause actually a small, small pause between like the last lyric, like uh, Ian Hunter sings, or I forget what he says, but it's like one little phrase or one word. And then boom, the solo comes in huge and loud. And I don't know what it is again, too. It sounds like a junior, but it's thick. And uh, you again, you can hear the room in this recording and it's just this big majestic solo. But again, simple, simple, but I love the dynamics that they played with in this song and how the solo comes in and just kind of takes over and it's majestic. And then, and then the, it, it goes into the song, but yeah. So for me, again, the guitar parts all sound so cool. And so of the time, um, but the guitar solo really, I just love the, the dynamic aspect of, of, of how this came in. Yeah. You? No, it's good stuff. I mean, Martha Hoopa was the band as a kid. That was like my first I'm way into a band, you know what yeah. I mean? Like a lot of people was Kiss and I got into Kiss later, but that was the time that they were like, my band, this is a band I'm obsessed with. And, you know, you know, the first band like that for me. So, you know, and then I had a period of where I didn't listen to them for years. And then after having all this experience playing music and learning the guitar and then coming back and listening to it, it's just like, wow, 
I mean, how much of that is in my DNA that I, I, I realize <laughs> now after that. And what I liked about that, that particular song is that's like the drama in the, in yes, the you know, in, yes, that, in those good, songs from that era. And it's, yes. it's like, it's like goth for Midwestern boys. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, it's just yeah. really <laughs> kind of dark and like moody. And I love that about it. It's beautiful. I mean, that, that song is just like, you know, so like you said, majestic is a good word for it. It's just super moody and majestic. And then we get to the part where, you know, it's, it, it drops almost into like spoken word. I think it might yeah, actually be spoken yeah, word. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you can't get more drama and like what a great <laughs> setup for him. I mean, he had a great setup for that for that guitar solo. So oh, it's like man. it just, you know, it just stops and hands it to him. What are you going to do with it? And again, this is very much like the last, like the Ronnie Wood stuff. It's like, look what you can do with just, I mean, we all like the scales he's climbing up. We're like, we all use those all the time. But what makes that so beautiful and so brilliant is his vibrato and and, his choice of where he's like, okay, we're in the, I'm, this is very, very, very major, but I'm just going to pull like up, you know, I'm just going to do a bend here. That's, you know, that's minor, you know, here and there. And it just becomes this like, like living, breathing thing. And yes. There's very much in his playing that British blues thing. Like you can hear it like in Clapton and everybody. It's like the British people's take on the blues. And I like what he did with it. It's his version is a little bit more simplified and it's like very, you know, very vibe and, you know, vibrato based. Mm-hmm. And you can hear, I mean, when you listen to the song, you will hear Bad Company. You know, you yeah, can hear what yeah. he, later when he went into Bad Company. You can hear his his vibrato is almost, almost sounds you know, it's kind of a little lazy. It almost sounds like a little pitchy, but it's not. It's beautiful. And it's him. And you could pick him out in the lineup. It's yeah. just Mick Ralph's, you know, his style, like the way he bends a string. And it's like, yeah, he was in that. So much of that is like in my DNA. And, and like, as I've developed as a guitar player, whether I realized it or not, I took things from him. And the junior is definitely one of them that I'm pretty sure that's a junior that he was playing there. And that big, thick Oh man. Sound. There's a great, I think it's the Motha Hoople live record, the blue uh-huh. and he was no longer with them. It was, it was that aerial bender guide, but this, the record starts out with their big song all the way from Memphis. But it's like, you hear the, like the piano winding things up. And that first a chord you hear on that record is that is like this big a like, and it's like, that is a junior. Like what it does, it's just like pure rock and roll. So he was way, um, Mick Rouse was way, way into the juniors and um, melody makers and things oh, like that. Cool. And I love they it. would tour the, they would tour the United States and they would just like stop in every city and pick up like these juniors and for like some to 75 bucks. Oh my God. Uh, it was like Ian Hunter wrote a book. It's really cool. If you can find it, it's called diary of a rock and roll star. Uh-huh. And it, it, the stories are in there where they're like, you know, I people would show up to their hotel rooms with just like a bunch of like juniors and melody makers and they'd buy them for like oh, 75 bucks. Jesus. And they like, they turned, I think it was them that turned, um, what's his name? The mountain guy. Or maybe, it was the other way. I, oh. maybe it was the other way. I think it was the other way around. Yeah. I think Leslie West turned them on to it. Got it. So no, I mean, that's a big, big reason why I played juniors or I played junior for a long time or I get why I got a junior was that band. So that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Every, it's just like, just the drama of that song and just like the brilliance of like, this isn't, you know, there's no technical genius at work here. It's just melodic genius and feel genius. Yeah. And that's like, and you can do a lot with that, you know, totally. So that was my, I mean, I guess the, the last two that I chose were very much for the same kind of reasons, but that's like always been a big thing of mine, like melody and simple direct stuff. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and I agree. And and I think that's the I think we're both drawn to that kind of stuff and you know, as guitar players, we we most of us go on those journeys about like, you know, what is it what does soloing mean or what does it mean to be a good guitar player or anything else? But yeah, I always come back to it just do something simple and beautiful and 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 that will all usually 9 times out of 10 that will win the day, you know? It's just like you can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong with simplicity and trying to listen to the song, listen to the chords and just play something, you know, meaningful over that passage, you know? And yeah, those songs, all of those songs actually that that you chose are, are that way, I think. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Three for three. That was fun. Three for three, baby. Well, we're going to do it again too, man. I loved it. As always, thanks for listening, everybody. And also, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it until you're tired of it. We're a part of the Ruinous Media Network. We're so proud to be a part of that cool network of other podcasts and music and culture. And, and we're psyched to uh, see where that takes us and uh, listen to us on Apple and Spotify and all the other cool podcast thing thingos and and go to Ruinous Media and check us out and check out the other podcasts as well. There's a lot of other great podcasts that, that I think you'd dig. What do you got to say, Chris? Goodbye. <laughs>